Good morning, West Bowles Community Church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. It's good to see you all this morning. My name is David Perez. I'm the youth director here at the church, and it's so good to have you with us this morning. Um, Well, in just a moment, you are going to see a picture of a little kid up on the screen. So now, it's not just some random kid, okay? Uh, You heard some of the kids in the youth group laughing. They knew who that is. That is actually me in third grade. No joke. Um, yeah, he's a bit of a husky kid, okay? Uh, that picture is actually somewhat famous in the youth group because uh, what I would do for white elephant gift exchanges is I'd print that picture out, I'd autograph it, you know, frame it, a little cheap frame, and that'd be a white elephant gift. It was awesome. In fact, one of the young adults in the church, um, one of his first times, first experiences here with the church, he was, a, was our white elephant gift exchange as a whole church, and he ended up getting a calendar of just that picture, month after month after month, yeah. Um, and he still came back. Uh, well, that kid right there loved food, okay, all kinds of food, que bueno, by the tub, Cheetos, McDonald's, Wendy's, like food. I would go as far as to say was, was quite possibly one of my passions as a kid, not making it, eating it, okay? Um, now, I, I share that because as a kid, no matter how much you love food, you don't want to get food as a Christmas present as a kid. Right? You want toys. You want something exciting, something you can enjoy. And so uh, it, was, it was about third grade, so about when this picture was taken, and uh, Christmas had come up, and I had wanted this one toy. Like if I got nothing else that Christmas and I got this toy, I was happy. It was this little action figure from this TV show uh, called Dragon Ball Z and like I wanted it. It's all I wanted. And so Christmas morning comes and I unwrap all my presents and there's one left. And it's from one of my aunts. And she has this smirk on her face. Just, she's smiling. You know that smile that you give off when you're like, I got you exactly what you wanted. You're going to be so happy. She's given that smile. And so I'm like, ooh, I know what's in this box. So I unwrap the box, open it up, start digging through it, get to the bottom, and I pull out a box of Trix cereal. (laughs) And I looked at the cereal, and I looked at my aunt, and down at the cereal... Back up with my aunt. It's like, thank you, tia, which is Spanish for aunt. This is exactly what I wanted. I love it. Okay? So she busts out laughing. She's losing her mind. And she's like, oh, I'm just kidding, mijo. Like, I didn't, I didn't get you that for Christmas. Here's your real present. And so I open it up, and it was the gift I wanted. Okay? But with gifts, with presents that we give, um, the important thing about it, it's not the wrapping paper. It's not the box. It's not the stuffing. No, it's, it's what we fill the gift with, right? It's what we fill that box with that's important, isn't it? Well, the same is true with our lives. You see, the gift that we have is time. Time. And so the important thing is what we fill our time with. Last week, Nathan talked about the things that rob us of our time that steal time away from us. And so this week, we're going to talk about this. So what do we fill our time with? What do we fill that with? And and we're going to get that answer by actually answering two questions. We're going to answer who and when. Who and when. So I'm going to pray, 
And then uh, we're going to hop into the scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity for us to get together as a church family, Lord God, and just hear your word. Lord, I pray that this morning you speak through me, and that it may not be my words, Lord, but your words. I pray that you open hearts and ears. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would, please turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to pick it up in verse 25. Now, if you see the heading up there, it says the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with that. You've seen it. You've read it. You may have even heard a sermon on it. If you have, I want to challenge you to stick with me this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but when I hear something I've heard before, it's easy for me to go, I've heard it, I got it, boom. But stick with me. I think we're going to learn some really cool stuff this morning. So, verse 25 says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law, another other translation say a teacher, and the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Another way of framing that is, with the time I have here and now, today, what do I do with my time? How do I fill my time here and now to get eternal life? Jesus says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? I love that because Jesus knows this guy's a teacher. He knows he knows the answer, so he's going, all right, come on, smart guy, let's hear it. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now that's a hugely important question because the answer to that question is going to change how I live my life. Because if the answer to this question is your neighbor is your family and your friends and your spouse and the people that you're really close with and the ones you get along with and see eye to eye with. All right. I can do that. That's doable. I might not be perfect at it, but I think that's feasible. But that's not the answer we get, is it? No. Jesus continues. It says this. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now let's stop there. We've got to bring some context into this. So Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience. The teacher in the law is a Jewish man. And so these people are doing the same thing that you and I do when we hear a story. Think about when someone's telling you a story. What do you do? You, you put yourself in that story, don't you? And you make some assumptions. Unless otherwise stated, if someone's saying, yeah, I was hanging out with my friends and we were doing this and this happened, you're in that story and you assume that the people they're talking about are within your community, are within your context, And so that's what's going on right here and right now. 
this Jewish audience, this Jewish teacher of the law, they're hearing this story, they're putting themselves in it, and when they hear that a man was beaten, left for dead, in their brain, they're thinking, okay, that's a Jewish man. So, when they hear in the story that a priest comes walking down the road, they're thinking, okay, he's going to be the neighbor. This guy's going to be the one that helps out. I mean, he's a priest. He knows the word of God. He, he teaches it. And not only that, but of course he's going to help his fellow Jewish man. And so when the audience hears that the priest walks on by, they're a little shocked. Well, then Jesus says, well, here comes a Levite. This guy, this man who's for generations is set apart. They're holy. And they're thinking, yeah, this guy's going to be the neighbor. He's going to be the one that helps. He's going to help his fellow Jewish man. Well, this guy walks on by, and the audience at this point is shocked even more. Let me, let me give us some context for today. Let's, let's talk about a situation that maybe we can understand a little more. Everyone in here, or most everyone in here, knows Ryan Long, right? We all know Ryan. He's got a heart of gold, super kind, but there's a few things about Ryan that really stand out, okay? A few things. One is oftentimes you hear Ryan before you see Ryan, okay? <laughs> uh, true story, Ryan and C at our wedding, and uh, Shar Kowser, the children's director, she uh, she took off home a little early, and she lives in the area, and after the wedding, she told me, she said, Ryan, I could hear Ryan word for word everything he was saying from my back porch, loud and clear. Okay, so he's, he's loud, you can hear him. But the other thing about Ryan that is distinctive is that Porsche drives. Oh, man, that's a pretty Porsche. You see that car driving down the road, you know that's Ryan. So, Let's say you're standing on the road, okay, you're on the road, and you see Ryan driving by, and then you see his engine blow up, okay, engine blows up, on fire, and you're like, oh my gosh, someone's got to help him. You look over, and you see Nathan driving by, other side of the road, and you go, it's Nathan, he's the pastor, he knows God's word, and, and he knows Ryan, they've been friends for 20 some odd years, surely Surely Nathan's going to help. You see Nathan. You see Nathan make eye contact with Ryan. And then you see Nathan drive on by. Wouldn't you be a little shocked? You'd be like, what the heck? Well, then, then you look over and then you see me driving. And you're like, okay, there's David. He knows Ryan. Right? He, he, Ryan drives the bus for the youth. They're friends. Surely David will see Ryan and stop and help him. Well, you look over, you see me. You see me make eye contact with Ryan. In fact, I even give him a wave, and then I keep on driving by. How shocked would you be? If you actually saw that happen, how shocked would you be? You, your, your jaw would drop. You'd be like, okay, well, who's going to help him out? So this is where this audience is at. This is where the teacher of the law is at. They're going, okay, if, if a priest not, isn't going to help this man out, if a Levite's not going to help this guy out, who is? And Jesus, at this point, 
Jesus is about to flip the world upside down. I mean, he's about to shatter this guy's worldview. He says this, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, when Jesus says a Samaritan man helped, this is wild for these guys. Here's why. Because Samaritans and Jews absolutely hated each other. I mean, bitter, bitter hatred. Think of that person that when they walk in the room makes your blood boil. Everyone think of somebody? Magnify that by 100 and multiply it over generations. That's the kind of hate you get. This Samaritan, he was the enemy. And so when Jesus says, the enemy, your most, one of your most hated adversaries, He's the one that helped. That changes everything. In fact, you can, you can get a glimpse of just how much Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. When Jesus asked him, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. Wow, that's wild. So the point Jesus is getting at is that your neighbor... The people you are called to love, it's not just your best friend. It's not just your spouse. It's not just the people you get along with. It's not just the people who go to West Bowles. It's not just those you see eye to eye with. No, the people we are called to love is all those people and the people that annoy us, the people that frustrate us, the people that hurt us the people that aren't a part of this community, the people that don't know Jesus, the people on the opposite side of the political spectrum, the boss who's fired you or the coworker who nags you, we are called to love everyone. Everyone is your neighbor. That's who we're called to love. Everyone is our neighbor. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. So he doesn't just stop and say, yeah, everyone's your neighbor, good. But he also actually tells us, when? When are we supposed to love these neighbors? Because that's an important question. And actually, it's a small detail that I, that I had not picked up on until I was reading this and, and preparing for the sermon. So if you look at this, verse 33 says this, but a Samaritan as he traveled, came by where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Look what's in red. As he traveled. Another way of saying that is that 
God wants to use our daily things for eternal things. You see, it was in the middle of the Samaritan traveling, it was in his daily life, so to speak, that he encountered this man on the road. He didn't set off going, I'm going to set off and help, help a guy out. I know what's going to happen. No, it was as he was going. And unfortunately, I think one of the things that happens to us as Christians is we get caught in this trap that in order to be used by God or in order to really make an impact in people's lives, we've got to do big things. We have to, we have to start a nonprofit. We have to be a pastor. We've got to be a missionary. We've, we've got to share the gospel with 100,000 people. And so we think that it, unless I'm doing one of those big things, well, I'm not being used too much. Or I'm not really having an impact on people's lives. And while those things are good, those are important, thank the Lord for missionaries, for people who go and spread the gospel across the world. Thank the Lord for people who start nonprofits and help feed those that need it, provide services for people. But where we get in trouble is where we think, I have to do that. If I'm going to do something for God, it's got to be on that scale. I mean, look at the priest and the Levite. They were, they were on their way too. They had the same opportunity. They saw the same man. But where were they focused? On the big stuff. They were focused on what was ahead of them. They had somewhere to be. Who knows, maybe the priest was on his way to, to teach. Maybe he was getting ready to teach in the synagogue and share God's word. I mean, what could be bigger than that? But he was so focused on that, there was a need right in front of him, and he missed it. And the Levite, same thing, he was going somewhere. He had somewhere to be. Who knows what he was going to do? And he was so focused on where he had to be on the big picture that he missed out on the need right in front of him. See, I think God wants to use our daily interactions, our daily lives to have eternal impacts. He wants to use the conversations we have with a neighbor. He wants to use those little moments in a coffee shop where we're meeting with someone. He wants to use the opportunities we have to serve someone who maybe just had surgery and can no longer do things on their own, or an elderly person who can't, who can't do some of the yard work. God wants to use those little things to have an eternal impact. And they're simple. They're simple. But in that, God's working. Sometimes it's even that nudge you know, that Holy Spirit nudge where you feel God saying, hey, go give this to somebody. Go share this with someone. It seems small, but it's hugely impactful. I had a, a high school teacher, and um, it was my senior year of high school, and I was talking with a girl. Was it my wife? Sorry, sweetheart. And we're talking, and you know how high school relationships go. They're They're fickle. And, and things didn't end up working out with us. 
Um, and in high school, relationships are everything. They're everything. And so I was distraught, and you know, I told my buddies, and so this teacher, walking by his classroom, pops out, and he says, hey, come here. I'm like, okay, what do you want? This is weird. He said, sit down. He said, hey, I heard. I heard about what happened. How are you doing? How are you hanging in there? How do you feel? And I told my buddies about this, and they knew, but to be quite honest, this was the first adult outside of my parents who had taken a moment to just check in on me and see how are you doing, what's going on. And he didn't have to. It was actually, it was his off period. He had other things he had to do. He could have been eating lunch. He could have been getting ready for the next class. He could have even been just resting because teachers, you all do a lot. But no, he took time out. He saw an opportunity. He saw a need right in front of him. And he met it. He loved me. He cared for me. And I reflect upon, I think about that encounter pretty often, actually. And as I look back on my life, I know that God has used a lot of big moments to change me and shape me. But I also know, I think sometimes more than those big moments, he's used a bunch of little moments, a bunch of daily things, a bunch of everyday things to impact me, to change me. And if I'm being transparent, it's all those little moments, those little things, when people just came in and had coffee with me, when they checked in on me, when they asked how I was doing, when they took time out of their day, out of their routine. It's all those moments, and that's a big part of the reason why I love doing what I'm doing with the youth. Because if I can do the same for them, that so many other people have done for me, I know that I can make an impact. That can make a change. Again, church, it's not that we shouldn't do these big things or dream big. It's just that we shouldn't let them, let us miss out on what's right in front of us, on loving the people right here, right now, on loving our friends our enemies, those in need. I'm going to share one, one thing, and then uh, we're going to get out of here. <clears throat> we'll, we'll pray, and then we'll have the worship team come on, and we'll get out of here. Um, we can't do this on our own. It is, it is not easy to love people, those we like, but especially our enemies. The only reason that we're able to love everyone, to, to let everyone be our neighbor is because he first loved us. It is Christ's love for us. That's where it's all got to start. If we look at the command, right, it's love the Lord your God first and then love your neighbor. It's his love for us that gives us the opportunity, the ability, the strength to love our neighbor, those around us. And if we look back, if we think about it, at one point in time, we were the man on the road, dead in our trespasses. And God, being who he is, would have been justified in walking right on by. Would have been justified in going, well, you made your bed, 
this is humanity's mess, I'm washing my hands of it. But no. No. He sent his only son to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for us and raise from the dead because he loved us, because he loved us so much. And so, church, as we're, as we're heading out this week, my prayer is that, one, you realize, you feel, you experience, you see just how much God loves you, just how much he cares for you, and that out of that love that he's got for you, that your time, you fill it with loving others. You fill it with loving your neighbor, not just the one you like, not just the one you care for, but everyone. That you love them as Christ has loved you and that you come to realize that truly God does use our everyday things, our daily interactions for eternal things. That you see the opportunities right in front of you to love someone who needs it. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to bring the worship team on up and uh, close in one song. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity for us to get together as a church community, Lord God, and hear about you. Lord, I pray that as we're looking ahead to this year and as we're looking back on, on the time we've been given and looking ahead of the time we have, Lord, and as we're looking at, looking at how to fill our time, Lord, I pray that we, one, fill our time with you, Lord, that we grow in relationship with you, that we see and feel and experience just how much you love us. But Lord, too, I pray that we then fill it with loving others. Lord, I pray that we not just love those around us that it's convenient to love. Lord, that we pray that we love everyone, that we love our neighbor, Lord. And I pray that we see the opportunities right in front of us, the moments in our daily mundane lives, Lord, to love someone, to change their lives in ways we could never imagine. We're so grateful and thankful for you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.